And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Aurelia of Aurelia's Light. She is an award-winning recording artist, composer, music educator, sound healer, and spiritual teacher. She has sung on albums with Deepak Chopra, Krishna Das, and many other conscious artists. In 2021, she had a near-death experience three weeks after the death of her beloved soulmate, which we're going to learn about and more. Aurelia, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Let's start with the beginning of your spiritual journey that led you into recording the type of music that you do today. Okay, so my spiritual journey started in 2006, but even before that, I was born into a very gifted musical family. Everybody played an instrument, everybody sang. I grew up singing Christmas carols in like six and seven part harmony. So that was something that was ingrained in, in me, in my DNA. And um, that sensitivity to sound and music. And then um, in addition, I also was a sensitive where I would see beings um, at my bed very, very early on. And I remember that I couldn't go to the bathroom at night without my mother taking me because I knew that they were there. And so um, I was scared for a while. And then um, about maybe I was in fourth grade and we had moved into this house and everything was gone. And I moved into this bedroom and there was a cross there and my bed, my father happened to put my bed under it. And I, I was very, very connected to Jesus, even from a young child. Um, I grew up Catholic, but that didn't resonate with me, but the teachings and the work of Jesus did. So I had this cross over me and I was always very connected to spirit. And then there was a man, I remember one night standing in the doorway. He was a grown man and his foot was up. I remember exactly the way he was standing. And I looked at him and I realized, you know, I called him like, dad, is that you? And it wasn't him. And my sister's room was next door to me and they didn't see it either. So I was like, I was, must've been nine or 10. And I was like, okay, that's enough. My door closed. I can't, I didn't have the skills to deal with that at that time. So I threw myself into my music, um, won lots of awards, went to college, studied music, studied ethnomusicology, shamanic music. Even in college, I, I always was drawn to how music affects spirit and affects the soul. These great composers, I hung out with them, Bach and Beethoven. And, um, you know, they were kind of my friends because I did feel like somewhat of an outcast here. So... Um, because I was just so in love with great musical works. And then I was about 30 and I was teaching um, a big load of music students, about 600 a year. Um, I had big choirs, you know, the, the choir started at 50 kids, 50 students. And then by the end of the year, I had 200, so 200 and me, that was a lot. So I was working energetically, not knowing what I know now. When I look back, I was like, wow, I'm, I was moving energy. I was alchemizing it and transforming it in real time. So I ended up getting married and having my first child. Um, and that's when everything started to unravel. So after I wanted an all natural water birth and I got the complete opposite, I was induced 
Um, and I ended up having an emergency C-section and I went to postpartum depression. And if you've ever had postpartum depression, any of your listeners out there, it's, it's not fun at all. Um, again, it's very isolating. And um, so about four months after I started to feel a little bit better and then I went for walking and I ended up getting bit by a tick and I didn't know it. I didn't put it together. And then I ended up contracting Lyme or Lichiosis, mono, Epstein-Barr all at the same time, right after the C-section. So it was bad. And I went to many doctors and they said, I was a new mother, just sleep it off. You look fine. You're And I, I just felt like so disempowered because I'm, it's, I'm not feeling good at all. And then there was a point where I forgot the word for chair. Like I didn't even know what chair was. And I didn't remember how to read music and I was reading music since I was five. So that's when I begged a doctor and I'm like, please just treat me for something. She's like, I'm going to treat you for Lyme. And that's when like a big, you know, shift started happening. It was, it was a long journey. It wasn't overnight. It took about two years for me to feel okay. Um, and I used everything from alternative to, you know, regular antibiotics and that's when I found meditation. And that's when I was so desperate to understand what was happening to me and why. So in one time, I remember it was like, because I, there was a day that I was getting better and then I was getting worse. And then it was just, cause it was so embedded in my nervous system that it just took so long. And I remember the day when I like I had a beautiful baby, but I couldn't be the mom that I, I wanted to be for her. And I remember in the laundry room, like falling down on a load of dirty laundry and like crying. And I'm like, this isn't life. This isn't life. This isn't not, what is this? And I just surrendered. I surrendered to the moment. I surrendered to what was happening. And that's when I started to hear music in my head. Like it was just, it, it was different music. And it was more of like comforting me in that from another place was comforting me. And then I started to um, read books again about meditation and about the mind. And um, that's when I was like, okay, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm being led. This is where I'm going. So I started to go back to my roots of studying consciousness and music and how frequency affects people. And I went to study sound healing. And then I started to create, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to create this music um, because I, I had left my compositions for like 12 years. I didn't think I was 20 and I stopped writing music. Meanwhile, I got scholarships. I got all of these awards, but I didn't think I was worthy enough. I didn't think I was good enough or that my music was good enough or my voice was good enough. So I stopped writing. And that one, that's when I realized, oh, I have to open up that door again because I can't heal unless I use my gifts to help others and serve. So I started to write, um, mantras were coming in and I started to understand what chanting was and mantras and how the frequency was when it was in my head and in my body, how I was starting to feel better, quicker. And then, so I was like, oh, I'm on my path. It was about 2010. 
Um, I wrote my first album. And then another spiritual layer had to come off. I don't know if, you know, if, if you felt this way, Jeff, but when we go through spiritual awakenings, we have like a layer that comes off and then we're okay. And then another layer, because it's kind of about letting go as opposed to piling on. So in 2010, I, in two, in two months, I had a, was, had a miscarriage. I, my house was robbed. Um, and all my music equipment was stolen and other stuff. And then, um, what else? I got hit by my own car on my anniversary. So there was stuff there that I needed to look at. And um, then my daughter and I were in another accident. I broke my leg in three spots and I was in a wheelchair, like a cast. And I was like, okay, now what? what? I thought I was doing my, my path. And then there was more. I just had to lay there and I had to practice what I knew intuitively. Like I was literally practicing what I knew about what I studied for the past, you know, couple of years. So that gave me that opportunity. And that's when the, the dreams started happening. So I started to get some prophetic dreams. So one night um, I was still in a full leg cast, so I couldn't move very quickly. I was laying, you know, sleeping. And then I had this dream where I was walking into a chapel and to the right of me was my daughter who was three at the time. And then I had a little boy on the left side and I just miscarried in the, the, that was a girl. So it wasn't the boy. So I'm being pulled to this altar by Beethoven. And I look at him and I thought that it was a very odd situation because, you know, in, in the church, it just, it just didn't, I was very conscious in this dream. So he said to me, he's like, you need to bring the piano upstairs, get the piano up. And so I said, okay, well, watch my kids. I'll, I'll see what I can do. So I go downstairs and I, I see the piano. It's really, really dark and I couldn't move it. I, I just couldn't move it. You know, I was getting upset in the dream because I couldn't budge it. It wasn't, I, I just couldn't move it. So I go upstairs and I said, I need you to help me. So he comes down with me. And as he comes down, the whole basement of the church, of the chapel lights up. It was like the second coming uh, uh, was lit. And I was looking at him and he moved it right away. So he said to me that you have to write spiritual music. You have to bring the piano upstairs into this chapel, which I didn't know. And, um, just a little bit more of the interaction. And then at this, at, and then in my real life here, the physical, my daughter started crying. So I heard her in the monitor. So I moved over and I turned on my little nightstand and the whole light bulb exploded. So I'm like, okay, that was a visitation. So I wrote that down with the date and everything. And then and a couple of months later, I had another dream of a girl that I went to college with and she was next to me in our composition class. She's like, you need to write music for spirituality. I didn't even know, but she had passed away years before. So this was starting to happen. And then at this particular time, I was also starting to be able to see energy around trees and I can feel the energy of beings, of people, humans. And I was also able to see the energy of the matrix or our, our reality here, the virtual experience that we're having. Um, because I remembered when I was a kid, I was able to see it really easily. 
So a lot of the things were coming back that I suppressed as a child. So now we're fast forwarding to 2012. It was the summer of 2012. I ended up having a boy, just like my dream. And I wanted to leave the, the school system because I was ready to go on my own. And I just, I, I, I couldn't go anymore. I was already the director and I just needed to expand. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a center for sound healing and intuitive development and all the things that I loved, consciousness, mediums, intuitive, everything. So I had this plan and I was going, I felt very called to be right next to my daughter's school. Um, she was six at the time. She was in first grade and I just wanted to be near her for some strange reason. So I had taken off for my son. It was the summer. And my ex-husband, my husband at the time, he said, well, why don't you go look at the church? And I'm like, well, what church? The little chapel around the corner. And I didn't even, wasn't even in my awareness. I wanted to rent a space right next to the school. So I walk in and I, my jaw dropped. Like I just had chills throughout my whole body. That was the church. That was the chapel that I was supposed to have or that came to me in that dream so like anybody would buy an 1800s church <laughs> I took my annuity and I bought the church and um it took a few months but it was renovated and in there was another dream that came at that time and it it was the church but it looked like a boat it was like wooden floor but the church had that so I knew it was the church you know like in when you're in dreams you know that some it's supposed to be somebody else but it's like you know it's an interchange of the form so in this dream there were dead bodies piling up like all bodies and I'm standing right in front of me and I'm standing there with my hands out and I said what am I supposed to do with them and I hear this big loud voice this this I will I, I can never forget the voice because it happened again later on but it said you're hired and then I woke up and that was the summer of 2012 so going on my you know uh, journey here to open up the center and then it was just I, I opened it my, my day of opening was December 15th of 2012 that was the day and December 14th they came to dig the sign to put the sign outside and I get a call that my daughter was in lockdown and the Sandy Hook shooting just happened. So that was her grade. Um, I'm grateful every day that we moved to the other side of town, otherwise she would have been in that school, but I still had the whole town and I, everything just, I, I had this big gush of knowledge and knowing that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And so I spent years of service, um, you know, teaching and, doing sound healing and all of this stuff. I had teachers in and we did a lot of work for my town and the surrounding towns. And that was my, my true entrance into service, like pure service where I dissolved into that service. And then um, one time, this was really interesting. I was, I was doing um, a sound healing and I was channeling and I had a group of women. Some of them were teachers from the school, some of them were secretaries. And I remember 
like I had my eyes closed and I just feel this energy. And then all of a sudden Jesus is standing there like this big glowing Jesus. Now, uh, again, I was very connected, but I had left, I had left it for a while, not him, but the connection. And he was there and he was holding the energy with me from the opposite side, huge and glittery. And I just kept breathing. And at the end of the session, two ladies came independently to me and they said, we're going to, this is strange, but we felt Jesus there. And I just hugged them and smiled and I didn't really say anything um, because there was a lot of things happening and I, I didn't have many people to, to share it with. So that's 2012, 13, 14. And then, um, I had to get a divorce, which was part of what I was ignoring in my own life. I had to deal with the things that were not um, in alignment with where I was going spiritually. And then, gosh, it was probably about 2016. Um, I ended up receiving a friend request. And at this time, my music was starting to get more popular. So I was very, very careful about who I was receiving. This is on Facebook when it wasn't like it is now. But this friend request, which was really interesting, his name was Jacob Marley. And he had this little mushroom head and it was really cute. And I was like, oh, and I had clicked on his things to see what he was posting. And it was super spiritual. I was like, wow, I don't know many people that would post that and that I resonated with. And the Jacob Marley was a sign for me because my username on eBay was Ebenezer Scrooge. So yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge needed her partner, her ghost partner, Jacob Marley. So I, ref I, I accepted his friend request. We were chatting and we had gone out and he kissed me and that was it. I was like, oh my God, this is it. Oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm fucked. I wasn't, I didn't want anything. I just, you know, I was working on self-love for the past two years. I was like, no, but it was he. And he, he would say things like, we've done this so many lifetimes. Like, like wait, who are you? It was just, it was, it was him. And the relationship was something other than I've ever experienced. I mean, I love all my partners that I have been with in, in a certain way, but this was meant, this was mental stimulation, spiritual, like totally intertwined and got each other emotionally, physically, everything. And um, we, yeah, it was just incredible. And every day, like he had a very, very hard life. Um, he was in prison. And I would laugh because I'm like, really, that's, that's the body who came in. This is the character. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a choir geek. And I, and I manifest a, a, a prisoner, you know? So it was just really funny because it was not what you would think, but it just was. And we grew in love every day. Like I've, it was like watering a flower that just kept on going. And unfortunately in our 3D reality, um, there were, people or energies that were keeping us physically apart that we could not be together. Um, whether it be the court system or, you know, I don't want to go into it, but others. And um, I, I don't know if it was the timing. I don't know, but we both were like, what the heck did we sign up for? Like, what is this? Because we knew that we could, we could be together forever, like eternity. And we would never get tired and bored of each other. It was just fun. And um 
So that was our big challenge that we were constantly split apart. But when we got back together, it was just incredibly beautiful. And even on our first date, when we kissed or third date or whatever it was, we, we were up in a mountain and there was a whole group of people that were clapping for us. We didn't even, we thought we were like, we got a standing ovation on our first kiss. Like, so when we were together, it was like, we were in a whole other reality. Um, another time he took me and he danced with me like in a parking lot of a cafe. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, music came on. So that's the kind of relationship that we had. It was not of this world. So it was 2020 um, and I had taken uh, a temporary position in a school district teaching music and I found out we were in you know lockdown or not lockdown but we were closed and right away I'm like hmm you never they never close school ever internationally you know so I called him up and I'm like honey this is time we're, we're this is showtime for us this is why we're here this is this is the time of the ascension this is the time. So um, he, he knew, but again, we couldn't even be together. Uh, the, the court system was closed. All these things just were against us. And we went through a year. And then in April of 2021, um, I found him in, um, it's prostrating. So like the Muslims prostrate, it's like child's pose, but like bowing devotionally he died um and I found I walked in so it was like he was he was devotionally posed to me that was like sort of a, a sign and um I, I never felt so much pain in my life it was not only grief but it felt like my soul was ripped in half um because of the love that we shared it was like my heart was overflowing, but then it was just ripped apart. Sorry. <laughs> and um, I, I, with everything I had already been through, I didn't think my soul could bear anymore. And um, so of course I went to shock and grief and um, didn't eat, you know, that's kinds, kinds of things. And then about oh, two weeks later, a week and a half later, I had gone into the bathtub and because I hadn't showered and I was like, I just need to get into the bath. Maybe it'll help. So I get into the bath and then my heart started like rapidly beating and um, it wasn't a panic attack. I, I kind of been through that in my 20s. I wasn't that. It was my heartbreak. It was like legitimately my heart was broken. Um, and it, it felt like a stabbing pain and just like something I couldn't breathe through. And I had practiced yoga and meditation for 15 years now, so I can breathe through most of anything. And so I, I remember praying, I'm like, I need every angel, every, every guide on call. You need to keep me in my body because my son is turning 10 next day. I don't want him to find my body. And I knew how powerful our soul was and I knew I could have left. So I was kind of stuck between two worlds. And um, so I ended up feeling this huge amount of energy being poured. It was like a rainbow of energy just being poured on me. And then I was able to get out of the bathtub. So that was good. Um, 
but then that that pain didn't go away for it, it was there the next week and the grief was like if you've ever grieved fully grieved it's like comes in waves it is sort of like birthing but on the other side it you know you have the contractions and then it, it's like I've fallen on the floor like I, I knew in my head if I was going to go through this process I needed to go through it because I didn't want to create some kind of breast cancer in the future I'm not going through that so I was like fully in the grief and then um this was about three weeks after he passed. Um, I was hearing him in my head too. It was, it was really strange. So I was having like these multiple realities going on. So we were so telepathic anyway that I was like, he's like, I'm right here. I'm, I haven't gone anywhere. Don't be attached to the form. He kept saying, don't be attached to the form. And that was what something he would say because we both took the Bodhisattva vow. Um, he, he took it twice um, and that's a Buddhist pledge to keep coming back heart-based bodhisattva's heart-based keep coming back to the earth until everyone's liberated so don't be attached to the form and i knew it but i, I but my body was still reacting to the the intertwinement of us we're so intertwined and then um i remember it was like wednesday in April and I had dropped my kids off at school and they were going to their dads. And I came home and I'm like, I need to, to deal with this pain. So I sat up on my moss hill in the back and all of a sudden the, the heart palpitation started to happen again, really, really rapid and really, really fast. And I hear let go and my head just let go. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going, I'm, I'm going. Um, so I actually took a tiny bit of, 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 of an edible of a caramel that my friend had given me. And I don't really, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do prescription drugs, but I'm like, maybe this will help clarify something because I do think plant medicine is very purposeful and amazing, um, but it didn't help. And so I it was getting more and more and more and I heard let go. So I go into my, my house. It was a beautiful day. I remember and I go lay down in my bed and I feel this, you know, the heart was getting more and more and more and more intense. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm definitely going. I, I, I'm just going. So I get up and I'm like, I need to write letters to my kids. So I get up and I write letters to my children saying how much I love them. I'm, I'm just laying down. I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I Here are the books I want you to read. Read this, read this, read this huge library of spiritual books, metaphysical books. I'm like, please, I'm always going to be with you. Um, because they knew the struggle that I was having um, with my beloved gone. And so I lay down, I go back and oh, I, I remember locking my doors. I fed my cat because I, I knew I, and I left the door open, like a window open for my cat. And so I lay down and I just focused on my breath, did a lot of pranayama. And across the street, there was these, um, they have a farm and I, there were ducks and chickens and roosters, but there was this one particular duck sound that I was focusing on and I was just breathing and I started to slow down my heart. I felt my heart rate slower. I was like, oh yes, like it was, it was starting to slow, but it started to slow so much where it was barely beating. And then I, and then at the same time, the audio of the duck started to have like 
tunnel audio, you know, and I heard my last heartbeat. It just stopped. And then instinctively I knew, I don't know how I knew, but I figured it out later. I closed my energy centers from my root. Then I closed my second and third and fourth and then fifth. And I pushed up and I spiraled, like my whole consciousness spiraled and a pop, I popped out of my crown. And then I ended up in this blackness, this big black, some people call it the void. I've had experience with it through meditation, but not like this. This was something very different. I had no body. I felt the same, except for I was a little disconnected from the story a little bit. Like, so I, I was consciousness, total consciousness, purely consciousness. I can see 360. Um, and I heard this voice that said, you can come home now. You have accomplished enough. And my first question, and that was the same voice that I heard in 2012 that woke me up from the dream and said, you're hired. It was that same presence. It was that same deep masculine voice that was just all encompassing. So I'll call it the presence. And the first question I asked, I said, is, is my karma clear? <laughs> and right before I could answer it, he could, it was right before I finished the question, every answer was happening already telepathically. And they said, yes, he said, yes. And I also felt another presence, but I didn't, I didn't um, turn around. I just didn't, it was, I was really just focusing on being in this, this void. And I got to be honest with you, Jeff, it was like, I could breathe. Like my soul had a breath, like my soul didn't have to deal with anything. It just was, it just was, it was just an isness about it. Um, didn't have to take care of anybody. I didn't, I just was. So I had said, um, and I was there, I don't know how long I was there for, but it didn't matter. It was just, there was no time. And I had asked who would, who would find my body? All these questions were answered. Who would find my body? Um, what would happen to my kids? Which is a big one because they're my, they're my babies. I love them dearly. So they said that my daughter would be very, very upset, obviously, and grieve, but she would eventually be okay. But my son would have a harder time with it because he he's choosing a spiritual path at some point in his life. And I was to help him. And then he could possibly go the drug route and go that way. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, just torn between two places. And I knew I could not bring the suffering that I was feeling to my kids. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I love them too much. So in essence, I left because of love and I came back because of love. And so I said, I pleaded, I'm like, look, I will go back, but you have to do something to my heart because it hurts so bad. So, and just, um, and then I feel this rumbling, like internal rumbling, this thunder in my head. And, um, and then I looked to the left and it was like an infinite 
plane of light. It was like, it wasn't the light that you go to. It wasn't that. It was an infinite plane. It was like a floor of light and it was starting to come. So it was like thunder and light. And it was so fast. I didn't see any other souls there, just me. And it went right through me. Like I felt it. I don't know if it cut something off, but it felt like it cut me in half. And then immediately I was falling backwards, falling down. And then I, I feel inform that information was coming in, but I didn't know what it was, but I did hear clearly, you will fall in love again. And then I heard the duck. <laughs> and I was back. <sighs> and that was my journey. And so that happened about two years ago, a little over two years ago. And then when I was back, I was just shook. I was pissed off a little bit. I was like, damn, I missed my exit point. But, and I was depressed on top of the grief. So it was like so many layers, but I'm like, okay, I'm here. What do I, I need to hug my kids. So I, you know, I called them. I'm like, I need to hug you. I couldn't feel them, which made me even further because I could feel everything. I'm such a feeler. Um, but yeah, I dealt with the grief and the depression of being back here, but I knew I knew I made the right choice. It was the harder choice, but it was the right choice. And um, I started to be able to feel him instead. So what happened was after I chose maybe, maybe a week later, I, I started to like, okay, if I was looking at it logically, if I can channel music, if I could just surrender my body and become the instrument where I can sing and, and just move energy and, and play the piano. Why can't I do this with a soul? Why can't I do this with somebody that I'm so close to? So it was so easy, Jeff. I was like, oh my God, why didn't I think of this sooner? Like we could all do this. We just have to surrender our ego. So I started practicing where I would just lay down, go right into the space of surrender. And then I would feel him come into me. Like it was like he was internally in me. His soul was in me. And I knew it because it felt like us. It felt like what our frequency is together. So what his frequency is and what mine was, that's what it felt like. Very powerful. Oh, he became way more powerful than he was here in this body. And so I was learning how to adjust to that. Um, constant signs. I mean, the signs were ridiculous. Like I'd go to the, I remember going to the store like um, three weeks later. I didn't want to go anywhere, but I'm like, hey, let me go to the store. So I go to the store and I have this home good card. I'm like, I'll just buy something. I don't need anything. And then right when I get there, I see on the end cap, I see these two mugs that say our names right next to each other. So I'm like, all right, I know you're here. And he hasn't left. And I, we, we work together every day. Um, I, I hear him come. I can feel him sometimes change my thoughts if I'm writing because I do write. Um, and it's an interesting way of connecting and just continuing our relationship into different dimensions. And there are others that are doing this. It's, I found a group there. They're, it's amazing. They're, they're continuing the relationship with their spouse in another realm. I mean, and the energy that we could channel together. And even like we practiced Tantra while we were here, breath work and all this stuff, doing that with somebody with no body, it's mind blowing. Like this is total gift for me that he ended up leaving harder, very hard. Like I had the harder end of the stick here, but total gift. The frequencies that I feel I could never have felt any other way, like it, incredible. 
Aurelia, thank you for sharing your journey with us. I know you have to speculate, but who do you think that voice was that said you're hired and spoke to you again later in your life? God. When you encountered Beethoven in a dream, do you think it was really Beethoven, or do you think it was possibly a guide that was appearing as Beethoven so it would be easier for you to accept? Ooh, that's a great question. It, it could have been, but I don't know. I, it was Beethoven-like. <laughs> I love, he was my favorite, but it could have been. They could do anything. The guides can morph and change and shapeshift to anything that they want. So that would have been a very good little, uh, you know, uh, a little gift that they would have done for me. But I don't know. I'm, I'm believing it was Beethoven. Something, it was definitely a... Uh, something very paranormal because my light bulb wouldn't have exploded if it wasn't, you know, with all that energy. Right. And I'm not saying it wasn't. I yeah. just <laughs> thought it was good... maybe something interesting to ask, you know? Yeah. Thank you. I want to see what your definition of a twin flame is because some there are different definitions out there. And I'm, you know, want to know if you would consider this man, because we haven't talked about his name, your twin flame or more like your soulmate and possibly someone from your soul group that you've reincarnated with over and over again? I believe it was my twin flame or he is because because of the fact that we're still working together, number one, because it was very challenging for me to be on this physical plane with him um, because there was some karmic baggage that I think that we both, he had a little bit more than I did. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot of, of definitions. People have so many definitions and labels for everything. So, you know, I, you know, to call something a twin flame, I don't really like labels, but if it, the closest thing that I could ever get to God. And he said the same thing. Like he looked at me before he left. He's like, I found God in you. So when we were together, it was like this, we were, again, we were like, not here. We were like in heaven here. And I think we have tons of, of soulmates, people that we have been lifetimes after lifetimes together in different character plays. But to me, this energy is the one that is closest to yours, that can meld with yours harmonically the best, that could challenge you to grow spiritually like no other being can, that is there for you for eternity. Um, it is the counterpart, like Shiva and Shakti. They can't be separated, you know? So again, like, you know, to not sharing a lot, but, you know, my ex-husband, a deep, deep love. And I could see the part that he played for me was such a challenging part to help elevate me to where I need to go. In real life, I'm like, dude, you should not have played this part so well. <laughs> but the twin was just something, it was something not of this world. I'm going to throw something out there and you just see if it resonates with you or not. Some people have described a twin flame as literally an, another reincarnation of our higher self here at the same time. So this being basically is you that you are, you know, physically here with. Mm. 
Do you think that yeah. was possibly your situation? Mm. You know, it's funny because before I met him, like there were, there were clues that were leading me, you know, one of my last conversations with my ex-husband was I wanted to teach meditation in prison. And then I, so I'm going to answer this this way. I believe that we have a full soul and I've heard that the twin flames are half of the same. I don't believe that. I think we're full. I think we're full. Um, but it's the energy that that twin's carrying for me and for him. So it's that energy. It can come in any body. I don't, I feel like it's a separate soul. Um, I feel like it's a separate soul. I don't feel like it, but it's, but it could be from the same time at birth. Like we all were birthed at a certain time. Um, I just feel like it's your counterpart. It's the one that you will travel to eternity with in all different, it's, it's that one, you know, it's that, it's that harmonic blend of perfection, of divine perfection, whether you play a feminine role or a masculine role, what doesn't matter. It's, it's always that same blend of, of heaven on earth. You mentioned that when you were questioning, perhaps it was God, and it was like a telepathic, instantaneous answer, that you will love again. Mm. Do you feel that at some point you have to release this twin flame to love again? Mm. Well, interesting that you asked. <laughs> so I, again, I haven't shared this with and really very few people. Now it's everyone. But um, a friend of mine, uh, a neighbor of mine happened to give me a gift certificate to see this medium that she loved. She thought she was excellent. I kind of left that realm a little bit for years because I was more of my own intuition. I needed to hone my own intuition instead of relying on something else. That was for years. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go. And immediately she picked up. So she's been doing this for a very, very long time. And she picked up immediately that, Yes, he's your twin and he hasn't left. And he's going to send you somebody and it's going to feel like him. And I, at that point, I want to know part of it. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Uh, no, I want him and only him. Um, so, you know, strangely, this is, I'm glad that you asked this question. I, I put that in the back of my head, not, not even wanting to deal with that because I wasn't ready. And she's like, it's going to feel like him. You just have to go through this. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. So about like a month later, like maybe about two months, perhaps after my NDE, I like to call it a death experience because I don't think it's near death. We just die and we choose to come back personally. Um, I was wondering how I got out of my body the way I did, because a lot of near-deathers, they just pop out forward, you know, mine was very conscious, like I was very consciously present when I left my body, like when I died, I, I was very consciously, I heard my last heartbeat, very conscious of knowing how to close my energy centers, and so I ended up getting on this site, and I just happened to plug something in, and it was just an Indian site that talked about the bodhisattva, and, and yogis, 
and how advanced yogis would leave the body at the highest chakra they attained and they would close the gates. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my goodness, like the highest chakra I attained was obviously the crown because I left out of my crown. I spiraled and popped and closing the gates was closing the energy centers. And that's what I did. I closed the gates, the gates of the chakras all the way up. And as I'm reading more, they talk about, they went to a bodhisattva, which is the, which is what I took the vow. And then what he also took. It says bodhisattvas can come in and out of the world as walk-ins because their energy is needed. And so I had texted a message, this medium woman, and I'm like, you said that he's going to send me somebody who's going to feel like him. How is that even possible? Like, what, can he walk in? Can he be a walk-in? And then she just, with giggles, that was her emoji sign. She goes, and everything is possible. Everything is possible. So you know, for my journey, it's really understanding his frequency on the other side. And if that is possible, because at this point we are going through this hugest ascension ever, and we need all the twins are coming in because of the, of, of the, the energy that they hold together. And it's a very unconditional love energy They're They've gone through all of their fear based programming. And, um, so I was like, okay, so she said, but you have to go through, you're supposed to go through this and this is for you and it's supposed to be fun. She goes, you need to have some fun now. So they're giving me this to tell you that you'd have fun with this. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. So yeah, so I, am I releasing him? Would I ever release my son? God forbid if he died or would I ever release my daughter? No, I could never because we don't die. We don't. So why would I release that? If anything, the person that comes would appreciate the story and would appreciate me as the next, you know, like, I don't know, somebody to love. And it's all love. That's the thing. I'm not closing my heart to love. It's, it's actually expanded even more. You don't feel like you connected with him on the other side during your NDE, did you? Nope. This was totally for me. Nope. Was it a super blissful place and, and you were relieved of all your physical and emotional pain and that made it so difficult to come back? Nope. Nope. Uh, I, I wasn't relieved of any pain. I was, well, I was a little separated from the story because, but I was able to breathe. I believe that this was a perfect experience for me. If it was crafted in any other way, if I had gone to the other side, met him, I wouldn't have come back. I, I probably wouldn't have. Um, if I had gone, if I had done the other, like other people's near death experiences where I met loved ones and had I don't think that, that that would have been purposeful for me because I needed to make a decision confidently, even though it wasn't that confident, but I needed to make that decision because in the end of the day, it's our choice. It's, it's our choice. We're not forced to be here. We're not forced against our will. We're not trapped here. We come here to grow and learn and experience and serve. So I had the perfect NDE for me because it was nothingness. And I had so much of everything that I experienced nothing. As a musician, I feel that you would be more sensitive to frequencies than other people. Do you feel that when you went to the black void, it was really just changing a frequency? Mm. Yes, I do. 
um, I feel everything is frequency based. The frequencies are how we, we change dimensions and we could change dimensions while being on earth. Like you could be in one day, you could be in multiple different levels of frequency and it's all from your consciousness. So your consciousness determines the level of frequency that you can be at. So if your consciousness or your being is vibrating dominantly at a lower frequency, when I say lower frequency, it's a fear-based, it's the fear-based. So anything that is attached to fear, doubt, anger, all of the guilt, shame, they're low. And your reality is going to be projected out from that dominant vibration, that dominant frequency. We could change it. Um, so when we, I, I know that there are a lot, Monroe Institute, I know that does this, um, but we could change frequency from music. Like if you take five different, I mean, this study, scientists have shown this over and over and over. You play plants, you play music to plants, they will thrive with Bach. They will thrive with certain new age music. They will thrive. They will die with hard rock or um, heavy metal. They will. They will die. So we are living harmonic beings, and everything around us is a living, breathing uh, being. So it is kind of like having, like playing the symphony with each other. So you know, whatever parts we're going to play is going to be whatever that frequency is. So you can either, so that's, so what I guess what I'm saying is that we have free will when we're here, everything goes, there is nothing that does not exist. Everything exists. Everything from the lowest demonic frequencies exist and everything above. It's just where you want to play. It's just where you want to play. This is a big game or, you know, or, or, or character play. We don't die and we get to choose wherever we want to play. That's how our soul expands. And with freedom comes great responsibility. So the more that we are self-aware, the more we are self-knowing, we know thyself, the more that we realize that we're creating our own reality, the more responsible we have to be about our thoughts, about our words, about the emotions we feel. We have to master our mind because the consciousness, we're not our mind, we're above it. That's what I did feel when I was in that void. I felt that I could direct my next experience however I wanted to. You also mentioned earlier that you saw the frequencies of the matrix. I would see like, as a kid, I would see, as a child, I would see like, when I woke up in the morning, I would see the fuzz. I would see the, the program starting to come in. Um, I could also see at nighttime, I would see it too. So in the early morning and at the night, I was able to, to see, it was like, it was kind of like fuzz on the TV screen or any kind of electrical um, viewing thing that would, that would just uh, animate itself or come into a graphic, you know what I'm saying? Or solidify, even though nothing is solid, everything is moving and everything is frequency. So that's what I feel. And I also feel like now knowing that it's all math based. So everything is just an interpretation from us, the math. So for example, a chair would vibrate at a certain frequency, a bird would fly at another certain frequency and our brain, because we're using the brain 
as a, we're using the body as an avatar, we're using the brain as a way to interpret our soul or our spirit is interpreting the program or the matrix, for example. When I say the matrix, it's everything, you know? Do you feel that you channel or if not channeling, somehow connect with music in the unified field out there and then bring it back? Yes. I believe I have remembrances of past lives, of being, uh, my, my soul likes to be artistic. I, I think it expresses itself a lot through art. So a lot of the past life regressions I've had and I've done, my soul seems to always be something with the arts. Um, in, in this particular life, I can dance, I can sing, I can compose, I can play the piano, like I, I can do a lot of the arts. I think I'm tapping into, I think I'm tapping into not only the unified field, but my soul logos. So that's where everything is stored. All of our lifetimes are stored in this, in this globe or this energy field that we, once we awaken and we start doing the work as letting go of the fear, facing all of our fears, going through it, we get access to more of that, of who we truly are. And that's what I feel the ascension really is. It's we, as the people playing this game, the humans here are accessing more of our soul's gifts and expanding it and bringing it in. So the funnel, instead of it being like this and we only get this much, we can get this much. And that's how we shift. All right, I wanna switch gears with you here. I was listening to you, some of your music, and one of the songs is called Goddess Rising. And I think along with the song, you said that it's a frequency of 432 hertz. Is that correct? Something like that. So the like whole that. album, so that whole album got, so I write a lot in mm -hmm. that particular frequency. Mm -hmm. um, so Goddess Rising, that album came out in 20, uh, 2014. And that, yes, that whole album is in 432. And for me, studying frequencies and looking, you know, just researching a lot for the past 20 years and studying great yogic work and Vedas, 432 is really harmonic for our biological body because, because it's mathematically perfectly um, four times 108. So 108, we many of us know, is a very sacred number. Um, the Vedas call the 108. Uh, that is God. So the 108 is God, proves that God exists, proves that God is the energy body. And there's so many things. It, it has to do with uh, the length from here to the sun. Like there's so much with 108. If you ever look at mala beads, there's 108 mala beads and a mala uh, neck uh, bracelet. There are 108 rosary beads. So that's the prayer. So 108 is truly a sacred number. And 432 falls as a four, you know, multiplied by four is 432. Also, it's in the spiral of the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio. And it, it's, it's in one of the most harmonic frequencies. So A, A, the note A is 432. So anything that we could take, we could take any scale we want and put it, we can write anything we want, but that has to be 432. That has to be, but I personally resonate with that. It's more grounding. For me, it seems more full. I looked into the 520, all those other things years and years ago. It just, it, it wasn't math. It didn't correlate mathematically to me. And as a musician, it's math and music is they, they go together. I guess that's what I was trying to get to is 
what is the note for 432? And you're saying it's A. Is it where, is it a specific A? Under C. Under middle C. Under middle C, it's the A. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, for example, not only your music, but I see other music on YouTube, and it'll say it's in this frequency. So are you saying that the entire album is written in the key of A major? Um, no, it's tuned to A. So A, so I would find A as 432. I can mm-hmm. listen to it. I can hear it. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. So if I find that, I tune my I tune my instrument to it, and then everything is based off that. So I do use, you know, a, a regular diatonic scale. I I, I use regular whatever mm-hmm. harmonics I want to use in my in my composition, but it's all tuned in that. It, it's all relative to the A. I think traditionally now our pianos are tuned to a certain frequency, but a long time ago they used to be tuned to a different frequency. All Western me, all Western instruments um, are tuned to 440 hertz. Okay. All electronic instruments, and I know that there is like a lot of talk about the Nazis and changing the frequencies. I did go down that rabbit hole years ago as well, and. While I, I'm sure I, everything is possible. I, I don't know if that's actually the reason why we're tuned to 440. It's because so that everything, so there was a big influx of selling instruments at that particular time. I think it was after World War II. So many instruments were made and they made it the standard tuning of 440. So they made a ton of, ton of money. If you ever want, if there's ever, you know, a question out there, just go follow the money, go follow the money. So they made a ton of instruments. Everything talks to each other at 440. But if you go back to the ancient music or the, you know, there really wasn't a, um, there really wasn't a tuning device unless you go back to Egypt. Um, And I believe that those, uh, that the tuning forks they have were tuning for frequencies for time travel, but that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. So everything is, everything is frequency based and it's really what resonates with you. So if you're going to listen to something and you're where you are in your life and heavy metal is consoling you, then rock on, you know, it's, we go through this journey that is, there's no right or wrong. It's the journey. You know, there's, but I find that 432 is very harmonic and very grounding and very balanced. I like to sing in it. I only use, I use Tibetan singing bowls, which are, which are, are, are handmade from, in, in, from Nepal. And I only use one crystal bowl because those also are tuned to 440. And I'm like, I'm not going to use those bowls. I'll use one bowl that's tuned to 432. That's it. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm really specific about what I listen to. So would you take your synthesizer and kind of retune it down to 432? Yep. That's amazing. Do you, what does it sound like in the difference between if you played an A at 440 and played in an A at 432, you, you can't hear much of a difference? There's a, I mean, if you have a musical ear, you can, yes, it's a slight difference. It's just lower a little just bit. Just barely a little flat or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then everything, if it's, everything is, is tuned to that, then it doesn't sound flat. It's just all, you just tune, it sounds lower. Yeah. Oh, just a tiny okay. bit. It's not much. Okay, that's fascinating. I wondered how all that works. I'm glad I had you here. Now, now it yeah, all makes yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah. What about 528? I had a guest recently say that that is the miracle tone. Um, 
I'm going to decline to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. That is my answer. All right. Well, if you had to re <laughs> reconfigure your synthesizer to 528, that's a pretty far jump up. I, I would never. I would never. I would never. And a lot of that's based on money as well. Mm. So I actually contacted the person that wrote that book originally, and I wanted to have a conversation, but and then I looked at his background and it was not for me. It was just didn't resonate as truth for me. And I go, I'm intuitive enough to feel what something is authentically truthful and when it's not, you know, solfeggio, they call it solfege. It, it's the Italians use the word solfege for teaching hand signs for choirs. Mm -hmm. It was a whole, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I don't listen to 528. I listen to 432 or uh, sometimes I'll listen to 440, unfortunately, because that's a lot of what our music is. But if it resonates, if 520 resonates with people, fine. You know, uh, I've, I've done one song in it, um, but it just doesn't, it's not what resonates with me. And especially they're not, it's not in the golden ratio. It's not in the Fibonacci sequence. It's not in the divine perfection. It's not in that mathematical um quantum field i guess i have to i don't know how else to say that i did try i really tried mm -hmm. i couldn't i couldn't it... do you think that a lot of youtube videos that are out there that say that this is this frequency it's just bs and they're just putting that in the title yeah but again i'm going to say this if somebody is actually awakening themselves to consider the frequency that they're listening to and stopping enough to get out of the pop world or whatever whatever they're listening to that is not harmonious to themselves. If they're stopping enough to to consider what they're they're ingesting, you know, we become what we are. We become what we listen to. We become what we surround who we surround ourselves with. And if somebody is all of a sudden finding frequencies that help them get out of where they are then I believe that's a, a great thing. So I, again, I'm not going to, um, I'm not gonna say anything is bad or good. I just know harmony and disharmony. So if some, if 528 is helping people, great. But 432 is really, it is in our biology. It's, it's in, it's in the Vedas, it's in the Vedas. So can you tune other instruments like a trumpet or a violin or or anything also into 432 um i think that's very challenging strings probably easier i'm not sure about a trumpet my son plays so i have to ask him but i, I don't know i don't play with like i use a lot of you know natural mm -hmm. instruments or my keyboard or mm -hmm. i actually have a tuning fork that's 432, so I can tune it to that as well. You showed us the Tibetan bowl. What frequency is that one? Uh, this, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't have my tuner with me. Oh. But it's, I don't know. But it's handmade, mm -hmm. and the Tibetan monks use it for meditation. So if the Tibet, if it's good enough for Tibetan monks, <laughs> it's good enough for me. Can we it's not made in a factory in China. It's handmade, so... These work with your uh, brainwaves, actually bringing them into a state of theta. So you can go into deep, deep, deep meditation. 
you go into, you go into deep meditation and it actually helps us to reprogram our minds in that state of theta. I mentioned earlier that you're a sound healer. Is that what you use? Is that your primary instrument? Yes, I use that. My primary instruments are my big set of Tibetan singing bowls and my voice. Ooh, all right. Do you mind giving us some healing? Oh, um, I, I could. I could. Okay, so I invite your listeners to bring into their consciousness something that they're struggling with or they have a challenge with, whether it is a relationship or a situation. So let's just bring our awareness to it. And we're going to use the Ho'oponopono. And this mantra is, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So again, we're going to bring whatever situation or whatever relationship into our awareness with our mind and our imagination. And I'm going to play the Tibetan singing bowl. And perhaps I'll sing depending on what spirit moves me to do. And you're going to just sit and work with the mantra towards the person or the situation that you would like to transmute. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. situation has neutralized. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And again, remember everything in your reality is coming from you. So in essence, you are apologizing to yourself. Because everything is a reflection of you. You are that. A nice deep breath in, blow it out, bring your awareness to your heart, thank your heart, 
Thank your higher self for bringing you into this incarnation at this time. You are a powerful, divine being. When you are connected with source, with God, nothing is too big for you. You are that. Aurelia, thank you for that. I really like the sound of that bowl. It just sounds and feels ancient to me. You're welcome. That's our remembrance. So you have a new album coming out called Ascension. Can you tell us about that? Ah, uh, yes. Thank you for asking. Um, Ascension will be coming out in the summer and there'll be two singles released and then the full album. This is a 12 song album. And funny, I've been wanting to write this album for five years, but other things had come my book mystics autumn and mystics winter and this year i was like okay i'm writing this album and then something inside me was like you have to write that you have to write what you needed to write the entire time so that's the birth of this album and there is sacred healing music in there uh, i sing throughout it i channel i channel the plants i channel the earth i channel gaia because um, I can get into spaces of pure reception and just bring the energy through of whatever element. And it's a really, really special and sacred album. So yeah, I'd love for you to hear it. Can't wait. What's the best place for someone to go sample your music? Oh, all my music is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Uh, they can buy it anywhere. So it's available anywhere, really. What's the name of your YouTube channel? Aurelia's Light. Oh, okay. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and communicate with you or ask you questions. Are you up for that? Oh, sure. Uh, they could email me through my website. It's aureliaslight.com. And there's a place in the bottom that says contact when they could uh, get a, a free piece of music and subscribe for my mailing list. There's many ways to contact me. I also have a vocal sound healing course that I do specifically with women to use their voice to work through their energy centers and completely reprogram their minds. And that's on there too. It's a sound activation. So when you pull up my website, there's plenty of ways that they could contact me. Are you on Facebook? I am. Aurelia's Light. <laughs> okay. Well, that's easy yeah. to remember. Yep. Just Google Aurelia's Light. You'll see. You'll see how it is everywhere. Yeah. Aurelia, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Go towards your heart. Your heart is always the connection to your soul. Always. It's love and light and you are divine. Aurelia, thank you for that message and thank you again for being my guest. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.